Chapter Three of Poems of American History, Volume Five The Period of Expansion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Poems of American History, Volume 5, The Period of Expansion, by Various. Chapter 3, The Conquest of the Plains. The Indians had long ceased to be a serious menace to the United States, and the policy of the government for many years had been to settle them upon various selected tracts of land west of the Mississippi. But the population of the West was increasing very rapidly, the completion of the railway to the Pacific having given it a great impetus. The Pacific Railway, finished May 10, 1869. And a highway shall there be. Tis done, the wondrous thoroughfare, type of that highway all divine. No ancient wonder can compare. With this in grandeur of design. For twas no visionary scheme To immortalize the builder's name, No impulse rash, no transient dream Of some mere worshipper of fame. Rare common sense conceived the plan For working out a lasting good, The full development of man, The growth of human brotherhood. And lo, by patient toil and care, The work with rare success is crowned, And nations yet to be will share In blessings that shall e'er abound. Across a continent's expanse The lengthening track now runs secure, O'er which the iron horse shall prance, So long as earth and time endure. His course extends from east to west, from where Atlantic billows roar, To where the quiet waters rest, Beside the far Pacific shore. Proud commerce by Atlantic gales, Tossed to and fro, her canvas rent, Will gladly furl her wearied sails, And glide across a continent. Through smiling valleys, broad and free, O rivers wide, or mountain crest. Her course shall swift and peaceful be till she has reached the farthest west. And even the treasures of the east, diverted from their wonted track, with safety gained, with speed increased, will follow in her footsteps back. And thus the nations, greatly blessed, will share another triumph won that links yet closer east and west the rising and the setting sun this glorious day with joy we greet may faith abound may love increase and may this highway now complete be the glad harbinger of peace god bless the work that it may prove the source of greater good in store when man shall heed the law of love and nations 
shall learn war no more. C. R. Ballard During the autumn of 1874, gold was discovered in the Black Hills Sioux Reservation, and explorers rushed in. A still worse grievance was the wanton destruction of bison by hunters and excursionists. Driven to fury at last, tribe after tribe of savages took up arms and started on a career of murder and rapine. After the Comanches Saddle, 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 mount, mount, and away, over the dim green prairie, straight on the track of day. Spare not spur for mercy, hurry with shout and thong, fiery and tough is the mustang, the prairie is wide and long. Saddle, 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 leap from the broken door, where the brute Comanche entered, and the white foot treads no more. The hut is burnt to ashes, there are dead men stark outside and only a long torn ringlet left of the stolen bride. Go like the east winds howling, ride with death behind. Stay not for food or slumber, till the thieving wolves ye find. They came before the wedding, swifter than prayer or priest. The bridemen danced to bullets, the wild dogs ate the feast. Look to rifle and powder, Buckle the knife-belt shore, Loose the coil of the lasso, And make the loop secure. Fold the flask in the poncho, Fill the pouch with maize, And ride as if to-morrow Were the last of living days. Saddle, 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 Redden spur and thong, Ride like the mad tornado, The track is lonely and long. Spare not horse nor rider, fly for the stolen bride. Bring her home on the crupper, a scalp on either side. It was decided to transfer the Sioux to another reservation, but, under the advice of Sitting Bull, they refused to stir. A detachment under Lieutenant Colonel George A. Custer was sent against them, and came suddenly upon their encampment on June 25, 1876. A terrific fight followed, in which Custer and all of his men were killed. Down the Little Big Horn, June 25, 1876. Down the Little Big Horn, O troop forlorn, Right into the camp of the Sioux, What was the muster? Two hundred and sixty-two went into the fight with Custer, went out of the fight with Custer, went out at a breath, staunch to the death. Just from the canyon emerging, saw they the braves of Sitting Bull surging, two thousand and more, painted and feathered, thirsting for gore. Did they shrink and turn back? Hear how the rifles crack. Did they pause for a life? For a sweetheart or wife, And one in that savage throng, His revenge had waited long, Pomped with porcupine quills, His deerskins beaded and fringed, 
an eagle's plume in his long black hair his tall lance fluttering in the air glanced at the circling hills his cheeks flushed with a keen surmise a demon's hate in his eyes remembering the hour when he cringed a prisoner thonged chief rain in the face there was a sachem wronged saw his enemy's heart laid bare feasted and thought like a beast in his lair cavalry cavalry tramp of the hoof champ of the bit horses prancing cavorting shying and snorting accoutrements rattling children at home are prattling gallantly gallantly company dismount from the saddle they swing with their steeds from a ring hear how the bullets sing who can their courage recount do you blanch at their fate who would hesitate two hundred and sixty-two immortals in blue standing shoulder to shoulder like some granite boulder you must blast to displace were they of a valiant race two hundred and sixty-two and never a man to say i rode with custer that day give the savage his triumph and bluster give the hero to perish with custer to his god and his comrades true closing and closing nearer the redskins creep with cunning disposing with yell and with whoop there are women shall weep they gather and swoop they come like a flood maddened with blood they shriek plying the knife was there one begged for his life where but a moment ago stood serried and sternly the foe now fallen mangled below down the little big horn tramp of the hoof champ of the bit a single steed in the morn comanche seven times hit comes to the river to drink lists for the sabre's clink lists for the voice of his master oh glorious disaster comes sniffing the air gazing lifts his head but his master lies dead who but the dead were there but stay what was the muster two hundred and sixty-two two thousand and more the sioux went into the fight with custer went out of the fight with custer for never a man can say i rode with custer that day went out like a taper blown by a sudden vapor went out at a breath true to the death francis brooks little big horn june twenty five eighteen seventy six beside the lone river that idly lay dreaming flashed sudden the gleaming of sabre and gun in the light of the sun as over the hillside the soldiers came streaming one peal of the bugle in stillness unbroken that sounded a token of soul-stirring strife savage war to the knife then silence that seemed like defiance unspoken but out of an ambush came warriors riding swift ponies bestriding shook rattles and shells with a discord of yells that fired the hearts of their comrades in hiding 
Then fierce on the wigwams the soldiers descended, and madly were blended, the red man and white, in hand-to-hand -hand fight, with the Indian village assailed and defended. And there through the passage of battle-torn spaces, from dark lurking places, with blood-curdling cry, and their knives held on high, rushed Amazon women with wild, painted faces. Then swung the keen sabers, and flashed the shore rifles, their message that stifles the shout in red throats. All the reckless blue coats laughed on mid the fray as men laugh over trifles. Grim cavalry troopers, unshorn and unshaven, and never a craven, an ambuscade caught. And like demons they fought round the knoll on the prairie that marked their last haven. But the Sioux circled nearer, the shrill war-whoop crying, and death hail was flying, yet still they fought on, till the last shot was gone, and all that remained were the dead and the dying. A song for their death, and no black plumes of sorrow, this recompense borrow, like heroes they died, man to man, side by side. We lost them to-day, we shall meet them to-morrow, and on the lone river has faded the seeming of bright armor gleaming, but there by the shore, with the ghosts of no more, the shades of the dead through the ages lie dreaming. Ernest McGaffey Custer's Last Charge, June 25, 1876 Dead? Is it possible? He, the bold rider. Custer, our hero, the first in the fight, charming the bullets of yore to fly wider. Far from our battle king's ringlets of light. Dead, our young chieftain, and dead, all forsaken. No one to tell us the way of his fall. Slain in the desert, and never to waken. Never not even to victory's call. Proud for his fame that last day that he met them, all the night long he had been on their track, scorning their traps and the men that had set them, wild for a charge that should never give back. There on the hilltop he halted and saw them, lodges all loosened and ready to fly, hurrying scouts with the tidings to all them, told of his coming before he was nigh. All the wide valley was full of their forces, gathered to cover the lodge's retreat, warriors running in haste to their horses, thousands of enemies close to his feet. Down in the valleys the ages had hollowed, there lay the sitting bull's camp for a prey. Numbers, what wrecked he, but wrecked those who followed, men who had fought ten to one ere that day, outswept the squadrons, the fated three hundred, into the battle line steady and full. Then down the hillside exultingly thundered into the hordes of the old sitting bull. Wild Ogalala, Arapaho, Cheyenne, wild horses braves, and the rest of their crew, shrank from that charge like a herd from a lion, then closed around 
the grim horde of wild Sioux. Right to their center he charged, and then facing, Hark to those yells, and around them, O oh, see, Over the hilltops the Indians come racing, Coming as fast as the waves of the sea. Red was the circle of fire around them, No hope of victory, no ray of light, Shot through that terrible black cloud without them, Brooding in death over Custer's last fight. Then did he blench? Did he die like a craven, Begging those torturing fiends for his life? Was there a soldier who carried the seven, Flinched like a coward, or fled from the strife? No, by the blood of our Custer no quailing, there in the midst of the Indians they close, Hemmed in by thousands, but ever assailing, Fighting like tigers, all bayed amid foes. Thicker and thicker the bullets came singing, Down go the horses and riders and all, Swiftly the warriors round them were ringing, Circling like buzzards, awaiting their fall. See the wild steeds of the mountain and prairie, Savage eyes gleaming from forests of Maine, Quivering lances with pennons so airy, Were painted warriors charging amain. Backward, again and again they were driven, Shrinking to close with the lost little band. Never a cap that had worn the bright seven, Bowed till its wearer was dead on the strand. Closer and closer the death circle growing, Ever the leader's voice, clarion clear, Rang out his words of encouragement glowing, We can but die once, boys, we'll sell our lives dear. Dearly they sold them like berserkers raging, Facing the death that encircled them round, Death's bitter pangs by their vengeance assuaging, Marking their tracks by their dead on the ground. Comrades, our children, shall yet tell their story, Custer's last charge on the old sitting bull. And ages shall swear that the cup of his glory Needed but that death to render it full. Frederick Whitaker Custer, June 25, 1876 What? Shall that sudden blade leap out no more? No more thy hand be laid Upon the sword-hilt smiting sore. Oh, for another such, The charger's rein to clutch, One equal voice to summon victory, Sounding thy battle-cry. Brave darling of the soldier's choice, Would there were one more voice. O gallant charge too bold, O fierce imperious greed, To pierce the clouds, that in their darkness hold slaughter of man and steed. Now stark and cold among thy fallen braves thou liest, and even with thy blood defiest the wolfish foe. But ah, thou liest low, and all our birthday song is hushed indeed. Young lion of the plain, thou of the tawny mane, Hotly the soldiers' hearts shall beat, Their mouths thy death repeat, Their vengeance seek the trail again, Where thy red doomsmen be. 
but on the charge no more shall stream thy hair no more thy sabre gleam no more ring out thy battle shout thy cry of victory not when a hero falls the sound a world appalls for while we plant his cross there is a glory even in the loss but when some craven heart from honor dares to part then then the groan the blanching cheek and men in whispers speak nor kith nor country dare reclaim from the black depths his name thou wild young warrior rest by all the prairie winds caressed swift was thy dying pang even as the war-cry rang thy deathless spirit mounted high and sought columbia's sky there to the northward far shines a new star and from it blazes down the light of thy renown edmund clarence stedman july ten eighteen seventy six the indians were led by rain in the face the year before he had been arrested by captain tom custer at standing rock and had threatened to eat the latter's heart the captain was among the killed and rain in the face is said to have made good his threat mr longfellow is mistaken in saying that colonel george custer was thus mutilated his body was not disfigured in any way the Revenge of Rain in the Face June 25, 1876 In that desolate land and lone, Where the big horn and yellow stone Roar down their mountain path, By their fires the Sioux chiefs Muttered their woes and griefs, And the menace of their wrath. Revenge! cried Rain in the Face, Revenge upon all the race! Of the white chief with yellow hair. And the mountains dark and high, From their crags re-echoed the cry Of his anger and despair. In the meadow spreading wide, By woodland and riverside, The Indian village stood, All was silent as a dream, Save the rushing of the stream, And the blue jay in the wood. In his war-paint and his beads, Like a bison among the reeds, In ambush the sitting bull, Lay with three thousand braves, Crouched in the clefts and caves, Savage, unmerciful. Into the fatal snare, The white chief with yellow hair, And his three hundred men, Dashed headlong, sword in hand, But of that gallant band, not one returned again the sudden darkness of death overwhelmed them like the breath and smoke of a furnace fire by the river's bank and between the rocks of the ravine they lay in their bloody attire but the foemen fled in the night and rain in the face in his flight uplifted high in air as a ghastly trophy bore the brave heart that beat no more of the white chief with yellow hair whose was the right and the wrong sing it o funeral song 
with a voice that is full of tears, and say that our broken faith wrought all this ruin and scathe in the year of a hundred years. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow One survivor there was, and only one, Comanche, the horse ridden by Captain Miles Keogh. He was found several miles from the battlefield, and had been wounded seven times. By order of the Secretary of War, a soldier was detailed to take care of him as long as he lived, and no one was ever afterwards permitted to ride him. Miles Keogh's Horse On the bluff of the Little Big Horn, at the close of a woeful day, Custer and his three hundred in death and silence lay. Three hundred to three thousand, they had bravely fought and bled, for such is the will of Congress when the white man meets the red. The white men are ten millions, the thriftiest under the sun. The reds are fifty thousand, and warriors every one. So Custer and all his fighting men lay under the evening skies, staring up at the tranquil heaven with wide accusing eyes. And of all that stood at noonday in that fiery scorpion ring, Miles Keogh's horse at evening was the only living thing. Alone from that field of slaughter where lay the three hundred slain, the horse Comanche wandered with Keogh's blood on his mane. And Sturgis issued this order, which future times shall read, while the love and honor of comrades are the soul of the soldier's creed. He said, Let the horse Comanche henceforth till he shall die, be kindly cherished and cared for by the seventh cavalry. He shall do no labor, he never shall know, the touch of spur or rein, nor shall his back be ever crossed by living rider again. And at regimental formation of the seventh cavalry, Comanche draped in mourning and led by a trooper of Company One, shall parade with the regiment. Thus it was commanded and thus done, by order of General Sturgis, signed by Adjutant Garlington, even as the sword of Custer, in his disastrous fall, flashed out a blaze that charmed the world, and glorified his pall. This order, issued amid the gloom that shrouds our army's name, when all foul beasts are free to rend, and tear its honest fame, shall prove to a callous people that the sense of a soldier's worth, that the love of comrades, the honor of arms, have not yet perished from earth. John Hay The government rushed a large force to the scene, and finally, after painful fighting and toilsome marches, stretching over many months, the Indians were brought to terms. Rain in the face afterwards professed himself a man of peace, and, in 1886, tried to enter Hampton Institute, he was killed during the Sioux outbreak in 1890. On the Big Horn, 1886 
The years are but half a score, and the war whoop sounds no more, with the blast of bugles where, straight into a slaughter pen, with his doomed three hundred men, rode the chief with the yellow hair. O Hampton, down by the sea, what voice is beseeching thee? For the scholar's lowliest place, can this be the voice of him who fought on the big horn's rim? Can this be rain in the face? His war paint is washed away, his hands have forgotten to slay. He seeks for himself and his race the arts of peace and the lore that give to the skilled hand more than the spoils of war and chase. O chief of the Christ-like school, can the zeal of thy heart grow cool when the victor scarred with fight like a child for thy guidance craves, and the faces of hunters and braves are turning to thee for light. The hatchet lies overgrown with grass by the yellow stone, wind river and paw of bear, and in sign that foes are friends, each lodge like a peace pipe sends its smoke in the quiet air. The hands that have done the wrong to right the wrong it are strong, and the voice of a nation saith, Enough of the war of swords, enough of the lying words, and shame of a broken faith. The hills that have watched afar, the valleys ablaze with war, shall look on the tasseled corn and the dust of the grinded grain, instead of the blood of the slain shall sprinkle thy bank's big horn. The oot and the wandering crow shall know as the white men know, and fair as the white men fair. The pale and the red shall be brothers, one's rights shall be as another's, home, school, and house of prayer. O mountains that climb to snow, O river winding below, through meadows by war once trod, O wild waste lands that await the harvest exceeding great, break forth into praise of God. John Greenleaf Whittier In 1886, another somewhat serious uprising took place among the Apaches, a band of hostiles taking the warpath under the chief Geronimo. General Nelson A. Miles, after a long pursuit, succeeded in capturing them. THE GRAY HORSE TROOP All alone on the hillside, Larry and Barry and me, Nothing to see but the sky and the plain, Nothing to see but the driving rain, Nothing to see but the painted Sioux, Galloping, galloping, whoop, whoroo, the devil in yellow is down in the mud, says Larry to Barry. I'm losing blood. Cheers for the greys, yells Barry. Second dragoons, groans Larry. Hurrah, hurrah, for Egan's grey troop. Whoop, ye devils, you've got to whoop. Cheer for the troopers who die, says I. Cheer for the troop that never shall die. All alone on the hillside. Larry and Barry and me, flat on our bellies and pourin' in lead, seven rounds left and the horse is dead. 
Barry a cursin at every breath, Larry beside him, as white as death. Indians galloping, galloping by, Wheelin' and squealin' like hawks in the sky. Cheers for the greys, yells Barry. Second dragoons, groans Larry. Hurrah, hurrah, for Egan's grey troop. Whoop, ye devils, ye've got to whoop. Cheer for the troopers who die, says I. Cheer for the troop that never shall die. All alone on the hillside, Larry and Barry and me, two of us livin' and one of us dead, shot in the head, and God, how he bled. Larry's done up, says Barry to me. Divvy his cartridges, quick, gimme three. While nearer and nearer and plainer in view, galloped and galloped the murderin' Sioux. Cheers for the greys, yells Barry. Cheer! And he falls on Larry. Alas, alas, for Egan's great troop, the Red Sioux hovering stoop to swoop. Two out of three lay dead, while I cheered for the troop that never shall die. All alone on the hillside, Larry and Barry and me, and I fired and yelled till I lost my head, cheering the living, cheering the dead. Swinging my cap, I cheered until I stumbled and fell. Then over the hill there floated a trumpeter's silvery call, and Egan's great troop galloped up, that's all. Drink to the greys and Barry, second dragoons and Larry. Here's a bumper to Egan's great troop. Let the crepe on the guidance droop. Drink to the troopers who die while I drink to the troop that never shall die. Robert W. Chambers Geronimo was sent to Fort Pickens, Florida, where he was kept in captivity for the remainder of his life. Geronimo Beside that tent and under guard in majesty alone he stands, as some chained eagle, broken-winged, with eyes that gleam like smoldering brands, a savage face, streaked o'er with paint, and coal-black hair and unkempt mane, thin, cruel lips set rigidly, a red Apache Tamerlane. As restless as the desert winds, yet here he stands like carven stone, his raven locks by breezes moved, and backward o'er his shoulders blown. Silent, yet watchful as he waits, robed in his strange, barbaric guise, while here and there go searchingly the cat-like wanderings of his eyes. The eagle feather on his head is dull with many a bloody stain, while darkly on his lowering brow Forever rest the mark of Cain. Have you but seen a tiger caged and sullen through his barrier's glare? Mark well his human prototype, the fierce Apache fettered there. Ernest McGaffey In 1889, the territory known as Oklahoma was open to settlement, and again, the Indians saw their hunting grounds invaded by the white man, while they themselves were compelled to remove to a new reservation. 
Sitting Bull again advised resistance, and was killed while trying to escape arrest. A squaw of the tribe, made desperate by the removal, killed her baby and committed suicide. THE LAST RESERVATION Sullen and dark in the September day, on the bank of the river, they waited the boat that would bear them away from their poor homes forever. For progress strides on, and the order had gone to these wards of the nation. Give us land and more room, was the cry, and move on to the next reservation. With her babe, she looked back at the home neath the trees from which they were driven, where the smoke of the last campfire borne on the breeze, rose slowly toward heaven. Behind her, fair fields, and the forest and glade, the home of her nation, around her, the gleam of the bayonet and blade of civilization. Clasping close to her bosom the small dusky form, with tender caressing, she bent down on the cheek of her babe, soft and warm a mother's kiss pressing. There's a splash in the river, the column moves on, close guarded and narrow, with hardly more note of the two that are gone than the fall of a sparrow. Only an Indian, wretched, obscure, to refinement a stranger, and a babe that was born in a wigwam as poor and rude as a manger. Moved on, to make room for the growth in the west of a brave christian nation moved on and thank god forever at rest in the last reservation walter learned that was the last of the indian outbreaks although there are still more than two hundred thousand indians in the united states by far the greater part of them have adopted the dress and customs of the white man, and are engaged in peaceful occupations. The remainder are content to live in idleness upon the government's bounty. Indian Names Ye say they all have passed away, that noble race and brave, that their light canoes have vanished from off the crested wave that mid the forests where they roamed there rings no hunter's shout but their name is on your waters ye may not wash it out tis where ontario's billow like ocean's surge is curled where strong niagara's thunders wake the echo of the world where red missouri bringeth rich tribute from the west and rappahannock sweetly sleeps on green virginia's breast ye say their cone-like cabins that clustered o'er the vale have fled away like withered leaves before the autumn's gale but their memory liveth on your hills their baptism on your shore your everlasting rivers speak their dialect of yore old massachusetts wears it within her lordly crown and broad Ohio bears it, mid all her young renown. Connecticut hath wreathed it, where her quiet foliage waves, 
and bold Kentucky breathes it hoarse through all her ancient caves. Wachusett hides its lingering voice within his rocky heart, and Allegheny graves its tone throughout his lofty chart. Monodonic on his forehead hoar doth seal the sacred trust. Your mountains build their monument, though ye destroy their dust. Lydia Huntley Sigourney End of Section 3 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida